Hey, I'm Matt Quinn. Thanks for joining us for Decision Point from Ivy Publishing at the Ivy Business School. Today, we sit down with Kanina Blanchard, Assistant Professor of Management and Communications and General Management at the Ivy Business School. She takes us through her Sophia Tanis case series in this episode. The cases offer students real-world prompts to learn about women in leadership, gender and cultural issues related to leadership, decision-making during change and transition, and more. Professor Blanchard has extensive experience working with international business, the public service, nonprofit, and consulting. Having lived and worked in four continents, she is recognized for her ability to adapt, lead teams and projects, and navigate complexities across various sectors, geographies, and cultures. Enjoy! Kenina, thanks so much for joining us today. I'm looking forward to this conversation as we've we've had many conversations about, you know, how classrooms are changing, how cases are changing. So I'm I'm looking forward to this. Maybe start with a little bit about yourself, the your background, uh, what brought you to Ivy and, and what you're currently up to at the Ivy Business School. Well, why don't I take that in reverse order just to just to have fun? So I am thrilled. I'm uh, in the classroom, although it's a virtual classroom. Uh, right now, focusing on our HBAs um, and really trying to create a fantastic environment for them as students kind of in the 19 to 21 age group, um, tailoring this experience so it's as dynamic and interactive and helpful for them as they go out into the world of work, which today is a virtual world of work. So helping them get comfortable with the space that is virtual themselves on camera, which uh is unnerving even for some of us who went through journalism school. Um, I came off of a summer of being able to work with the MBA students. So again, a very different world. Um, they, are, they are the ones who kind of transitioned in both from an education and a work perspective to this new dynamic and looking forward to teaching some new classes, new courses uh, on responsibility and global management come January, uh, as always, also looking at uh, writing cases and engaging with colleagues, um, particularly proud of uh, working with Alison Conrad and Karen McMillan on the Breaking the Silence case. So no shortage of things to do, but um, happy and excited to be able to do them. With all that going on, cases in the works. So this is a very busy, busy time for you. And what was your role before joining uh, Ivy? Well, now I'm going to date myself, but now most of my background has been spent in industry. So I spent 20 years with the Dow Chemical Company, having left as the global director of uh, issues and uh, crisis management. So really looking and working on both uh, dealing with significant legacy issues from dioxin to Agent Orange and napalm to emerging issues around BPA and, and other challenges. Uh, from an environmental and human health standpoint. Um, I then really, uh, for personal reasons, we moved to London and uh, although an opportunity to move again, decided to stay in London and put roots down here. So um, really engaged much more heavily since about 2009 in consulting, uh, having worked um, in a leadership role in the Ministry of the Environment on various environmental and human health issues, cancer cluster issues um, in the region. 
as well as on the regulatory side, uh, working with greenhouses and, and other major initiatives in, in agriculture, uh, as well as, as the environment. And then uh, over time, recognizing, as my husband has said to me, uh, said to me back around 2013, 2014, he said he's never seen me happier than when I'm in a, in a classroom. So I uh, actually began as a mature student uh, to do my master's in 2014, and then in 2016 started my PhD. Uh, always fun to freak out other students when you walk in and they think you're the professor and you're actually a student. It's actually been a great experience. Uh, teaching and being a student uh, is uh, eye-opening and really valuable. So um, have sort of come over time to Ivy, having started uh, guest lecturing in around 2010, working with the Ivy Institute for Leadership around the same time, um, mentoring and coaching students, and then slowly more and more into teaching since about 2015. And I think all those experiences uh, really lead to some interesting perspectives and also different skills in, in the case writing. So let's let's talk a little bit about that, because I know uh, you've got cases in the works and have published a number of cases. But let's talk about uh, Sophia Tanis yeah. for a second, if you don't mind. Could you talk about the dilemma uh, that is, is woven throughout uh, this two-part case series? Sure. So I've written actually three cases that focus on uh, Sophia Tanis. So I think the one that you're referring to is around life choices. That's right. Yeah. Which uh, is actually the um, the last Sophia Tanis case that um, I wrote, or maybe it's the second last. I can't even remember now. You can cut all that out. Um, but in terms of the life um the life choices case, you know, the, the inspiration for these cases really came from years guest lecturing at Ivy, where students would be asking questions around, you know, what is it like to, how was it to be a, a woman in the oil and gas industry? Um, how did you manage moving? How did you manage being a parent and a, a partner and, and moving? And so life choices really stems out of many of the, the questions I was asked by students about what was it like to be a dual career, uh, working internationally, uh, moving uh, every, every 18 months to three years. Um, so that's, the genesis of that particular case was really the interest of students um, and even more today uh, with dual careers being very much a reality. Uh, and uh, so that's the genesis of, of that particular case series. And what was your goal or what was the thing that you thought this is so important for students to think about when, when reflecting back about this intersection of personal and professional decision making? Because so often we hear, well, there's a work mat or, or home mat, but that's not really the reality. Talk, talk to us a little bit about uh, how you thought about this intersection and what you're hoping the students walk through. Yeah, for sure. Well, what I heard from the students was a deep interest in terms of how how did I, as one individual, how do professionals balance professional and, and personal life? And so, uh, you know, for me, it was, uh, I came at writing the case, not in terms of a binary of right or wrong or giving anybody answers, but more from sharing the story of, you know, experiences had and allowing that to be a space where conversation could be opened up. And so the intention was um, this, this isn't a, 
you know, th this isn't a dynamic that only happens on Grey's Anatomy or some television show. This is what people navigate every, uh, yeah, in their own lives. And it so happened that my husband and I navigated these challenges. And so it was sharing part of that story in one particular time in our professional career and, and development and putting that story out there with the intention that it would open the door for students to uh, interrogate their own lived histories, to consider the dynamics of um, both personal ambition and goals. We live in such a neoliberal world today, right? There's so much that we focus on the individual, especially when we're young. And then we develop partnerships and we develop partners in our life. And how do we sort of juxtapose um, different interests and needs? Um, and so put the story out there and hoping that students would engage enthusiastically. And I think that's really what's happened based on the feedback I get from people who continue to use this case. And so, of course, in this particular situation, gender is affecting the, the choices and the decision making process. How do you have students consider this? How do you prep them for this discussion? How do you walk them through it in the classroom? Well, I, I think that there are so many dimensions that we face. And, and for sure, in the Sophia Tanis series, there is the issue of gender because the protagonist is a biracial woman. Um, but there are so many other dimensions to it. Mm. There's lived experience. There's nationality. Uh, there's, you know, there's the, the history of, you know, having a partner and actually, in this case, being the woman who is the... Uh, the lead in the family for a period of time in terms of following career. So there's just lots of dimensions uh, in the Sophia Can uh, Tanis series. And I think the students themselves, they, they recognize it. They pick up because they're living it. You know, there are young women who are in relationships that have hopes and dreams. There are young men who have their own um, and each trying to determine when do I put the foot, my foot forward? When do you push? When do you say, you know, whose career is, is more important? There are, there are partners whose, you know, careers could be taking uh, one person in one part of the country and an, another in another. It could be across departments or functions within a, a company themselves, right? Being dual careers in the same company uh, in the same city. And so I think it's very relevant to them. And what I hope is the students, the students identify the dimensions that are most important to them. And once they relate to those dimensions, they take it up with enthusiasm. I'm, I'm trying to put myself in the seat in the class and, and you've, there's many different uh challenges, opportunities, things that are presented in the case. You mentioned gender just being one. When you're in front of a classroom of, say, 30 to 40 students, and you're asking them to walk through their own personal experience, how do you do that in the classroom? Is it pre-work that happens? Is it uh, a reading that you get get the juices flowing? Because I'm just, I'm trying to see how, for those that are picking up the case and wanting to use it, what are the best way for them to get the students engaged, to get them thinking about some of these challenging topics? So I think we start with, you know, what are the challenges that we're trying to cover in class, right? Mm -hmm. What are the issues? What are the dynamics we're trying to cover? So 
Um, I think that there is so much happening in the world. I love to try to connect a case to something that's happening in the real world. Uh, uh, topics that are that are currently underway, and there are so many topics. Some contentious, uh, some not. But you know, we we see down south discussion about Roe versus Wade. Um, you know, that is something that is real. That is back in the news media. Then to bring the case in as you know, here is a topic of women in business. And, you know, these debates are going to continue. So let's unpack this a little bit in the mm. context of perhaps laws changing or regulations changing or, uh, you know, within uh, w the stories that are covered in, in the popular media or perhaps research that's just come out about women at work. I think what's really interesting in today's world is we see the disproportionate impact that COVID has had on women in the workforce. There is a perfect tie and a place to start with, you know, this is not a new issue. Mm. Um, so let's look at some lived experiences and try to tie both the story in the case with the story in the media, with the story of students that are trying to unpack and figure out how they might want to approach these topics. And that's so relevant for this case, but I could see that working with so many cases. And it is a really great tip and advice for the listeners to think, how do I bring this uh, right to the home of the student? How, how do I make it relevant for, for their personal experience? I love that idea of looking in the news and, and finding something and, and starting the conversation uh, conversation that way. So, Kanina, I know that this is a series of cases, and what I think is really cool is that it follows the protagonist through a number of situations. That um, in before hopping on here, we were talking about how these were born out of discussions that you had in the classroom. Can you walk us through each one of these titles and talk a little bit about the situation that protagonist is in? Absolutely. So that, you know, the first case in what ended up being a series, that was not the intent going into it, but the first case really developed out of students asking questions about, oh, you, you were a woman in oil and gas and you moved around and you, you went, you know, you went to Europe and you took on these roles. And so the first case really developed out of guest lectures where students would ask me these questions. So the first case, European transfer, really focuses on the realities of um, moving cultures, moving countries, moving businesses, moving geography, uh, moving and recognizing different hierarchies, languages, uh, business norms, and different geographies. So that's really where the first case developed out of uh, a protagonist who was doing well in an organization that got the opportunity for uh, taking a job, which um, was risky. And I think that, you know, in hindsight, as, a, as the protagonist took these jobs, didn't realize what was happening in their own career. Uh, because what was happening is, is authors such as um, uh, Ryan uh, and Haslam wrote about this idea of the glass cliff and how women often get these opportunities to take these jobs that perhaps you know blend both uh, competencies, but also lots of expectations in terms of being able to handle conflict and handle 
uh, challenges in the workplace. And so this case sort of brought the idea of the glass cliff to life. Here is this tremendous opportunity. You just now have to work across a matrixed organization, balance business needs with uh, geographic needs, uh, with cultural needs. And so that case um, was really taken up by a lot of students who were interested and so excited about working internationally and, and hopefully shed light on both the opportunities, the enthusiasm, the challenges, but also the risks and also some of the challenges that go with that. And then what spawned out of that in classroom discussions um, when I was asked to guest lecture as a surprise guest who was actually the, the writer of the case, students started saying, oh my gosh, you were married when that happened. You had kids when that happened. How, does, how do you manage or how does this happen that you deal with the personal and the professional? And that really spawned the second case, which was the life choices um, A and B case which was really as a response to what students were asking. And what I never wanna do in writing these cases or teaching these cases is say to students, there is an answer. What it is, is bringing forward a lived reality, a lived experience in the hopes that grounded and, and giving students both theory uh, and materials to consider how to analyze the case that they can bring themselves into the case, have some tools to help them make sense of it, and then ask questions. Because I don't think there is a binary. Um, mm. It's not a question of, is this right or wrong, or, or what's the right way? It is understanding the complexities that you face. How can you work through this, both with the help of mentors and having the value of a network, as well as having some grounded academic research and work to help you realize that there are ways that you can think through it and quite honestly do a better job um, than I did uh, as a woman in business at the time trying to muck my way through because I truly believe when you give students the opportunity to think through and the tools to analyze in terms of how they might make decisions they're going to do a better job and I'm amazed at what the students come up with in the classroom. And what about the what about the third the third in the series that we've got, because it was really cool listening to how this came up in this kind of idea of a, is there a checklist? Yeah, absolutely. So um, after uh, writing the life choices, um, I'd love to tell you a quick story though about the life choices, if I can. Um, I had uh, some students come to me and sort of shockingly say that, Kanina, uh, we did this case and the uh, the, the professor had as the final part of this case a, a decision. And I said, well, what decision? And they said, well, sh they asked us to decide whether you or your spouse was the better partner. And I sort of <laughs> sat wow. there and I, I realized, you know, that was never the intent of writing the case that someone would actually vote on who was the better spouse. To be honest, uh, without a question, they voted that my spouse was the better partner oh. <laughs> uh, oh and they and they told me that and and actually I agree with that wholeheartedly but I think that what I learned from that was how important the teaching note is and also realizing that when you put a case out there and, and you share lived experience 
you're never too sure what's going to happen with that when it's in the public realm. Uh, so that was sort of a fun story, uh, but it also has made me a lot more conscious about the importance of the of the teaching notes and not only offering ideas about what can be in a teaching note, but perhaps also you know, what we might want to avoid. And, and what I think happens a lot with cases that deal with um, topics that, you know, fall into the EDI space, there is this desire to have binaries, good and bad, right mm. or wrong. And so I, I think I've learned in writing cases to be as explicit and clear and at least, and even share what your hopes are and aren't, where the case and the discussion doesn't go. So that would be a learning that came out of that case. Um, and then to, to move forward, how did we get to number three? Well, in that, in talking about life choices, students started asking about, well, I must have gotten really good at dealing with these situations. And they started asking about checklists. Okay, well, what would you do when you accept a foreign assignment? And that really led to Lynn Amai and I writing about, um, you know, that it, there is no such thing as business as usual when we're working in a dynamic, disruptive, a global environment. What we have are our experiences that we can draw upon. But one of the biggest mistakes we make is thinking that we can reduce the crucial role of working in a diverse world uh, with, with uh, some myth that we can have a checklist if we click off these five things that we will get it right. Because I think what the protagonist in uh, not business as usual learns is that uh, the greatest chance to fail and fall down a, a trap or a rabbit hole is to think that there is some checklist or that just because you've been successful in the past that you will be successful in the future. And that's where that case really came from. I love that you walked us through this. There's there's so many learnings there. I want to repeat a couple. First of all, there, there's no right answer. And I think that is so important for uh, case authors and and you know, and students as they are going into the classroom to 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 tackle these challenges, is that sometimes we fall into the habit of there's got to be a right answer. Well, in life and in business, the nuance and and the rigor and the process really is is the learning. So I love that you mentioned that. I also like that you didn't try to jam all of these separate situations and questions into one case. Uh, I really like that you that you left each as independent cases that would stand on their own and walk the reader through it. I think that's a, a great learning because, you know, as you know, attention spans shrink and it's a time and, and the ways that cases are being used differ so, so greatly, you know, that would be such a huge case and it wouldn't do justice to the, to the issues that you're trying to tackle. I, I love that you've made those separate. And Finally, you know, your source of inspiration for where you came up with these ideas. Um, we're often asked, how do you think about where, how do I know what to write about? How do I find this topic for a case? We've heard people say as, you know, from a story in the newspaper, I had somebody send me today one about a story in the newspaper that would make a great case. Uh, but I love that it's come from your lived experience and from your classroom, from the students questions because you know if you can do a great job of that case you know that's going to be so valuable for the students so i i just love that uh that you shared that with us um 
in hindsight, having walked through this and built, you know, you had the idea for one case and it built out, what advice would you offer to case writers uh, that are looking at, you know, a number of different issues or situations? And, and moreover, what advice do you have for a case writer that's maybe trying to cover some similarly challenging situations? Uh, how did you go about writing it? You already mentioned not coming up with one, you know, a binary type of uh, an answer to the challenge. Anything else? So I really believe in, in uh, having had my graduate work in the Faculty of Education, I, I'm a true believer in, in active learning and in education, in adult education that's driven by the needs and the interests of, of the student. And I think that where we need to start is recognize the challenges our audience is having and then draw from mm. the multiplicity of places where that we can pull together uh, learning. And, and some of that might be from research. It could be from uh, work that's being done, books, articles, and it does come from lived experience. So I, I think that one of our opportunities is to recognize, uh, some people say, right, that uh, every human issue Shakespeare wrote about, right? So if you just read Shakespeare, you've, you've read every story that's ever been told. Uh, because I think some things are just very, very, you know, they're shared. They're shared challenges. You know, in today's world, when we talk about it, so for example, in the Sophia Tanis case in Life Choices, uh, it's a, a female protagonist with a male partner. But in today's world, you know, we can change that protagonist. Sophia Tanis can be Sam Tanis. The challenges of balancing work and home life is not uh, only about a female and a male partner. And when we look at and we bring these diverse lenses into uh, our cases, we have the opportunity to consider, boy, how much more richness there is because we've got students engaging with these cases that may also have other layers of intersectionality, right? There could be ableism, there could be ageism, there could be, and so I think these are the challenges people have and how can we bring cases to life and then buttress it? with research and theory and knowledge. So what students realize is they're not alone in facing these challenges, number one. Two, that if we can create safe spaces where we can address and openly engage in conversation about these very human challenges. Three, that we can look at these challenges in a variety of different ways that span the lenses of, of, of EDI that we don't have to just have female and male. We don't just have to be looking at going to Europe or any one geography um, and, and try to broaden how we look at these challenges and encourage our students to bring these to life within their own contexts. So what would happen if Sophia Tanis in this situation had not been in Brussels, but had been in Beijing? and give the students the opportunity mm -hmm. to think about and share with their class, well, these would, you know, this might never have happened in this Chinese context, or it would have happened so differently if this had happened in Kuwait. And so open mm -hmm. up the engagement. So it's not just so about, about getting through a case in a classroom. It is about opening up the space in this case 
to be able to explore the, the knowledge of the students in the classroom, to me, that is so exciting. And I feel like every time we're teaching a case, we can learn as much from one another and from the students as we do as the professor sitting in the front of that class. And this a case can be the start of the conversation, which is which is really cool to think about. Kanina, I I can't couldn't have said it any better than than what you just said. And I want to thank you for the, you know, the efforts that you're making with the cases that you have written. And there's a number that we've released. But I do have to ask. You mentioned that you've got a couple cases in the works. What what's what's on the the side of your desk right now? What do you what are you working on? Well, I'm, I guess I'm most excited about recently uh, working with Alison Conrad and Karen McMillan on Breaking the Silence, because it, it is at the core of what I believe as a, as a professional, as an academic, as a researcher, that it all starts with our ability to, to talk, talk about these topics. And so I'm, I'm thrilled to see that being used. And I want to thank Ivy Publishing. I know Alison and Karen feel the same way. Uh, making this, uh, making that case available for free um, is a way, I think, of, of us sharing our passion. So thank you for that. Um, also have a couple of cases on the on the go with female leaders, uh, female protagonists in the COVID era and how they have navigated some challenges and uh, bringing out various dimensions of, of their uh, lived experience over the last eight months of trying to move and change organizations in the midst uh, of the kind of disruption and unprecedented times we've had. So there's a, a couple in the works, but that's the general direction. And, and the theme very much is around uh, women in leadership, uh, EDI, uh, as well as responsible leadership, which is my own passion and working on some publications that will uh, focus on that. Uh, and finally, some work around leadership communication competencies and how do we uh, help leaders bring their best self forward by, again, buttressing the work of leader character, which is a hallmark of the Ivy Institute uh, for Leadership and thrilled to be working with the Institute as well as other colleagues like Mary Wheel in bringing um, some articles uh, on that topic. And I've had a little sneak peek into some of these. I know uh, we've chatted briefly about them. Where can people go to follow you to find out more information on on the work that you're doing? Uh, is it LinkedIn? Do you have Instagram? Where would you direct people to uh, uh, to go to find out more and to follow along with the great work you're doing? Well, I guess I would say LinkedIn. I'm definitely uh, accessible, available, and and visible on LinkedIn, uh, and also through the Ivy uh, Ivy website uh, and the wonderful work that Ivy is doing. And then, of course, uh, for those listeners that want to to know more, also check out the Leadership Institute at Ivy because there's a lot of really great work. Uh, they've uh, brought in so many great speakers to the Ivy community. Uh, which is furthering the conversation, which is really important. Kanina, thank you very much for joining us today and for your continued work. And on a personal note, you've helped me out in a lot of ways as we've gone through uh, coronavirus and just bouncing ideas off of each other. So I want to thank you very much for uh, for being available and helping as much as you had. Thank, thanks so much. My pleasure. If you enjoyed today's episode, subscribe to Decision Point on Spotify or wherever you listen. And be sure to check out the show notes for links to cases, 
resources, and more. Have any feedback? Send us an email at cases at iv.ca.